Welcome to Business on a Beanbag, where we take a light-hearted dive into the business and marketing world. Join us on our journey as we share stories, insights, and not forgetting the contents of our guest's search history. Hello and welcome to another episode of Business on a Beanbag. This week we're joined by Thomas Bates. Hello. And across from me is Thomas Clark. Hello. <laughs> from Reason 8. Um, how are we both? Very, Very well. good. Yeah. Look, that complain. was in unison. That was it great. Was. Two yeah. Toms. Yeah. <laughs> is it Tom or Thomas? I prefer Tom. Thomas is my legal Christian yeah. baptised name, but Tom. Is that everyone. what your mum uses when you're in trouble? Yeah. She, yeah. Yeah. It was uh, at the bottom of the stairs. Thomas, what, what have I done now? But yeah, Tom, Tom's fine. <laughs> so what is it that you do? Do you want to you know, give us a, a brief dive into what you do, what you're about, where you've come from, that kind of thing? Okay. So really simply, uh, make websites for a living. Uh, it's something that I've done as a hobby since I was about 17. Um, it's just something that I kind of fell into, which is funny because I actually hated IT at school. Uh, <laughs> I think I got a D in it and actually dropped it. Um, okay. So yeah, I didn't enjoy it. But then I think I came across Wix, which was probably the only one really at the time other than WordPress and yep. started building websites on that and tried to build my own that didn't really go anywhere. Um and then just kind of did it did it as a hobby through university, um, working in various jobs and never wanted to kind of take it full time. And th the main reason for that was I was of the belief of, you know, the bigger companies, they've got all the clients, there's no work out there or anything. And I'm going to be competing against the big guys, which is completely false. You know, you can start a business today and you can go and get clients tomorrow. It's, it's I mean, it's, it's not that easy, but, um, you know, it is doable and there's plenty of work out there for everyone. So, um, yeah, that's that's basically what we do. Um, we do search engine optimization as well. Okay. Uh, also help people with hosting their websites, managing their websites, all that kind of thing. Um, and, yeah, pretty much everything web other than pay-per-click is, is basically what we do. Nice. Fair enough. So how, how old is the business, did you say? So the business turned three years old uh, a couple of days ago, actually. Congratulations. Um, so, yeah, we're in our, in our fourth year now. Um, and it is one of them, actually, where I wish I started it a bit earlier because I always wanted yeah. to run my own business, and I have run smaller uh, businesses previously that I'm sure we'll get into. But, um yeah, I, I never really started it early enough, but then it's one of them things, isn't it? Timing is everything. If I started it too early, it might not be where it is now. Yeah, so. yeah. Uh, what was the, one of the, the barriers that stopped you doing it earlier? Like, was it self-doubt? Was it imposter syndrome? What? what you know? Yeah, kind of. I, I guess it was just self-belief. And obviously in the, the economic climate, climate as it is at the moment, yeah. starting a business, it's a, a lot of risk. You know, if I would have started the business three or four years before, I was living in a two up, two down rented house in Nottingham and it was costing near on a thousand pounds a month. My wife at the time was a student mm -hmm. on, you didn't even get the grants then. So she was barely earning anything. Um, so to survive on that and then go and start a business where, you know, when I did start this business, I didn't pay myself until the May. So about five months. Okay. So obviously five months without, and that was just like building the business and the bank account and all that kind of thing. Um, yeah, if I if I did that four years before, I wouldn't have had a house to speak of. We wouldn't have been living anywhere. Um, and yeah, it was just trying to find the right time to do it. And I'll, I'm sure we'll get into why I found the right time <laughs> later on and, and how I found that time. And, you, and you've just had, well, a year ago, you've had your first child. Yeah. You, how long ago did you get married? Uh, last 
May 2022, so okay. a year and a half ago. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. So um, how's that? <laughs> yeah, it's difficult. Um, and I won't go too much into the story, but on my wedding night, my wife was really sick. Oh, no. Um, and without going into too much detail, again, we, we tested uh, to see if she was pregnant every day up to the wedding. And then we got married on the Friday, the Thursday before. It was like, no, we're not pregnant. You know, we've not hit the boat this time. We'll try it again, whatever. Yeah. Friday morning, uh, she woke up and she was sick and she just thought it was nerves. Um, and then at about seven o'clock, she was completely out of it. Uh, she puked. All- <laughs> She's going to hate me for this. <laughs> she was basically sick all over the bridal suite um, and stayed in a, a spare room that we'd had, uh, you know, a guest didn't take. Um, I ended up sharing a bed with my best man and the bridesmaid because I couldn't get into the room. Uh, the story. And it was, I'd locked myself out. So I was, I was, I, I, I had 30 drinks by this point. So I was a, a little bit out of it. I just ended up walking around the venue, couldn't get back in the room. Rachel was completely out of it. We then drove home the, home the next morning and Rachel did a pregnancy test and she was pregnant. Oh, wow. So it was literally, Hell. what, 16 hours after we tied the knot, we found out we were then pregnant. So there was literally no gap. We went on honeymoon. Uh, and she suffered from something called hyperemesis, which like 1% yeah. of pregnant women get, which basically means that you're sick all the time. She had that for 20 weeks. Um, so yeah, me running the business that I do and trying to look after her was really wow. difficult. Yeah. Um, thankfully, my mother-in-law was there to help a little bit on that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he he was born January 19th last year, came out at 10 and a half pounds. Um, oh. So he was, a, he was a big baby yeah, and yeah. He's, he's one next week. So yeah, it's been a, a very probably the most difficult year of my life. And there's there's been a lot of stuff that has happened in the past. Um, Can we just go sure back to, to well. her being sick on your wedding day? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you spent how many hours, like, like, I don't know, wallowing in self-pity thinking it was you before um, <laughs> you've had a reason? Yeah, I mean... That must have been horrible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because we didn't think she was pregnant, she was drinking. So it's like, yeah, we've yeah, not, we're not had it this time. Yeah. It's people's buying you drinks and all that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously that mixed with, I don't know, change of hormones, whatever it was, yeah, led yeah. to the destruction that came after. Um, <laughs> is it my suit? Is it my hair? I know. Yeah. <laughs> so I remember I walked, I came out of the, um, where the disco was going on and I walked out and she was just completely out of it on the sofa with her family around oh, her and stuff. Her. Um, and she was like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm just going to go to bed or whatever. And then she went up and made a mess of the bridal suite. See, so yeah, we spent all that money on such a lovely wedding venue. <laughs> And, you know, when you get shown around it, this is the bridal suite. This is the where your reception will be and all that kind of thing. I think I used it for the toilet and then that was it. I went back down. So it was a very oh, expensive, yeah. a very expensive oh, bridal suite to not use. But um, yeah, that's that's a, quite an intro to a podcast, isn't it? Yeah. I guess really. That's uh, hopefully, okay. hopefully the people at home or in the car or whatever will be laughing at that. <laughs> we always have a podcast that people can relate to. Yeah. I'm not sure they could direct, I was gonna say, relate to that. No, but. no, that's a very niche, <laughs> a very unfortunate series of events. But um, yeah, it's a good icebreaker. It's a good way to open it, I guess. <laughs> How are you juggling life then now, running the business no, new child, one years old, marriage. How are you juggling all of that? Um, to be honest, it's not a, a conscious thing that I've tried to do, really. It's just, we've kind of just fell into the routine. So oh, okay. we're in a, a very fortunate position financially where we're mortgage-free, so we haven't got that burden on us. Um, and that ultimately means that Rachel can basically be a, a stay-at-home mum for a, year, a good year or two. Um <laughs> I was saying you two, but just before we started, George did start nursery, our little boy, and we had to take him out of it because number one, it's hellishly expensive. Mm-hmm. I mean, he only goes two days a week and it's £560 yeah. a month. Yeah. It's which, if you look at that, is a couple of SEO clients. Um, <laughs> how you see the figures. <laughs> exactly. That's how I break everything down. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, we've taken him out of that and he was ill all the time and it makes us ill and all that kind of thing. So yeah. we've taken him out of that. But I'm very fortunate that Rachel kind of holds the fort uh, and all I have to do is focus on getting up in the morning, doing what I need to do, keeping my clients happy, going to the gym and then coming home yeah. um, and then looking after George until he goes to sleep. So yeah, we've got a really good dynamic going on, to be honest. And like I say, she where possible she will jump in and try and help whether it's a, a, a vat return or uh, yeah. you know something really simple i'll just say can if, if george is asleep can you just yeah. jump on and help me with this and she's more than happy to do it so yeah. i'm very very lucky yeah, in that great. respect yeah. and i know a lot of couples as well it's a lot of people's worst nightmare to work with their partner especially from home yeah, um yeah. but we we've got it nailed down and it's it's not something that we've actively worked on it's just happened yeah. and we've, we've just got that dynamic so can we talk good clients and shit clients? No. Yeah. You take it away. Yeah, I mean, I won't, ease them in. I'll I won't like, names. I'm, no, 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 I'm, I'm going in dry. Okay. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> what makes a good client? Oh, there's, there's so many things. Um, and the way I think of it is, I mean, I've got suppliers that I work with. I've got an accountant and a debt collector, which no one really wants, but sometimes you have to have them because people don't pay. And I always try and think, what, what makes me a good client for that person? Um, and then I compare that to the clients that I've had recently and in the past that kind of make them difficult to work with. So the first one would be unrealistic expectations. So mm. going on bad clients, you know, some people, and some of it's doable. Um, you know, one client that I spoke to in December, they were like, I want a website live by the 2nd of January. <laughs> and we we're already in like the 10th of December. And it's like, okay, well, I go hot on holiday in, a, in about eight days. It's, it's not that much time. And unrealistic expectations can also be met with you setting that expectation of, okay, well, we can't achieve that, but let's try and do it by the 9th or the 16th. Mm. Um, and some people are open to that and some are like, no, it needs doing. So <laughs> it sounds kind of disingenuous, but if that is that kind of person, I'll say, that's fine, but here's an extra zero on the end of the quote. Because okay. if you, I'll have to work on your project all the time yeah. Yeah. Uh, to get it done. And even then I can't guarantee that it'll be done. Um, but I mean, a good client is someone who... <laughs> It's, it's really simple and straightforward. It's just a good person, really. I've got clients that are, are really patient. Um, you know, if I don't reply within two hours, they're not emailing me going, why haven't you replied? Where are you? And it's like, I'm at soft play with my little boy, you know, give me a chance. Um, so yeah, a good client is someone that has realistic expectations, good communication, is patient, um, is open to feedback as well. So some, some clients will come to me and say, can we try this on my website? And I'll be like, well, that's not quite doable or that's not the way I would do it. Here's what I would do. And here's the possible solution. What do you think? And they'll either go, yep, love it or no, I'd, you know, let's just leave it or whatever. Yeah. Um, a client that pays on time is also good. Um, sometimes you can make a bad client, a good client, depending on your communication, but it yeah. also depends yeah. on them. Um, and yeah, I've had plenty of good and bad ones and it, <laughs> it is quite difficult because, you know, sometimes you speak to one and then it's, oh, this, this guy sounds great. And then you get into it and they just become an absolute nightmare yeah. and you can't wait to get rid of them. You know, there's nothing worse than working on a project that you're not excited to finish or you don't want to show the world and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, you have to find a way to try and, you know, cipher those people out and that comes with experience and time basically. And then do you have like a, a, a quick, a quick guide, a quick how to and how to do that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, it mostly just comes down to gut feeling. Yeah. Uh, cause when I first started the business, obviously you, you're basically chasing every pound note yeah, to try and build yes it. To exactly. Yeah. yeah. And in some aspects I still do do that. Um, but yeah, it, it's mostly just gut feeling. If you think that this guy is going to be a nightmare, you know, you can charge them extra and that might turn them away or you might mm -hmm. make extra money. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but yeah, it, it, I think it mostly comes down to gut feeling. And again, that comes with time and experience of being in the business and you know who your ideal, ideal client is and you'll be able to work out if that person is that. And I've got a, basically a set of questions now. So it's like, it's not, in, it's not interviewing them. It's more auditioning them. So yeah. rather than speaking oh, okay. to a client and saying, um, you know, what, what do you want a new website for? It's kind of like, okay, so where do you want to be in six months? Do you want to make more money? Do you want more leads? How are we going to measure it? Mm-hmm. And then it will be um, something as simple as when when do you want this project to start? And I've got like a, a rating of one to 10. So if I say, if 10 is yesterday and one is in the next six months, where do you think yeah. you are on that scale? If they're anything above seven, then that means that they're usually pretty desperate. They want to get started pretty quickly mm-hmm. and you can get them on board on board pretty quickly. Okay. Um, but there's a another series of questions that I have that just kind of, help me work out where they are and you know i'm happy to speak to people that want a website in the next 12 months but it's kind of a waste of time because the people that do want that it gets to 12 months and then they either extend it by another 12 months or they've forgotten that they've had the conversation with you mm-hmm. and then you've got to do it all again yeah. so yeah every business want those clients that come in they know exactly what they want they know what they want to pay and they'll just let you get on with it yeah because ultimately they, they come to you for your experience and your knowledge and you know, if you've got, let, let's say, for example, a plumber, I know nothing about plumbing, but if there was a guy that was fixing my toilet, for example, I wouldn't be standing over and asking questions. I'd be letting him get on with it because yeah. he's less likely to make a mistake then potentially. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think to be a good client as well, just let the person get on with it. And obviously if they're, if they're going down a, a, a bad path and they need bringing back a little <laughs> bit or they've made mistakes or whatever, then communicate that to them. Don't leave it and let it stew because then you'll explode and the relationship will come a, become a yeah. little bit, bit difficult. So... I think that's massive in our industry with, um, you, d- you don't go to an accountant and say, can you do all my accounts for me? And then stand, like you say, stand over him and go, well, that's wrong. That's wrong. I wouldn't do it like that. But you won't go to a solicitor and ask them for advice and go, no, what you've sent me is rubbish. But mm. people in marketing like, no, I'm not sure you'd say that. Oh, I don't like that picture. Oh, I don't know. And he's like, why? That's literally your opinion. What mm. we do, everything we do is based on data and analytics. Yeah. And it's just, it just blows my mind. Yeah. It seems this industry alone is the only one that does that. Yeah. And it is. You know, I do have clients sometimes where um, I've, I've basically got a form. So if someone says to me, I want a, a classy modern website, if they're, with all respect, in their 60s, they might have a different definition yeah. or interpretation of what that means to someone in their yeah. 20s like me. So what I normally ask them for is, if you've got a website that you like the look of, or, you know, a few, send them over to me. And that gives me a, a visual representation. Because yeah. I've had clients in the past where I've built a website for them, I think I've absolutely nailed it, and they've gone, now this is what I'm looking for. Try this. And it's completely yeah. different. And then I've yeah. got to go and rebuild it all again. Yeah. Um, and you know, there are some clients, probably 10% of them that go, you've absolutely nailed it. And that's probably just more out of luck than anything. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I, I don't mind being challenged on things like, um, I want to change this picture or whatever. Yeah. Cause at, at the end of the yeah, day, yeah. it's, it's, it's your website and you want it to represent you. Yeah. But if, if I feel that what I've done is best for you, then I'll justify why. If you still yeah. then don't agree with it, then, you know, fine, you can't come back to me then and say, yeah. you, you you changed this and it's, it's wrong because that's what you wanted. So, yeah. And you put it down to learning as well, don't you? you mm. When you see other people's perceptions, you you learn more about how they view things, how different age groups, you know, backgrounds, whatever, mm. how they form their their views and their wants and their needs. The more that you have that feedback of, I, I think this is shit hot, mm. the client thinks it's just shit. <laughs> you, you sort of learn from that, don't you? You sort of yeah. have an understanding of different people and, and, and their different ways of thinking, which will only help you create better work. Yeah. And it, it does kind of, it is basically a bit of a guessing game where you're trying to work out, you know, I build this website. Do I think they'll like it? Yes. If it's a no, then I'll change something and yeah. we'll kind of work from there. Um, 
but yeah, going back to the bad clients thing as well. Uh, I've had clients in the past where I had this one guy who I sold him a website. He sold, I don't know if legally or illegally, but he sold um, guns and air rifles and all this kind of thing. Okay. And this was about two or three years ago now. And I sold him a website for six grand. I was like, at the time, it was like, oh my God, this is this is a beauty. Um, Give me full compl- uh, creative control over it. Let me get on with it. Uh, I built the website, sent it to him and never heard from him again. And to this day, never heard from him. Wow. So, yeah, I mean- Did not, he pay you? Yeah, he, pay, he paid the first 50%. So I got three grand out of it. Yeah. And then I called him, emailed him, sent him letters to say, if you don't, but this was like a year later. I said, if you don't respond within 28 days, we're just going to close the project. Wow. I could see he read the emails, read my WhatsApps and everything, just didn't reply. Wow. Just completely disappeared. So I guess you could kind of look at that kind of client as that's a dream. You get paid yeah. to, <laughs> you get paid to do nothing basically. <laughs> so you start yeah. off with a shit client, but that's a great client. That's a, that's a dream. That's what everyone wants. Um, which is a shame actually, because it would have been a really nice website. Um, but then there's other clients that don't speak to you for a year and then come back and say, oh, can we pick this back up? By which time I've completely forgotten what I've built. The software's updated. I've got new yeah. skills and I've learned new ways of doing things. Yeah. Um, and then <laughs> I won't go too much into detail, but I've got a client not not that long ago who did that, came back a year later, had to pay for the hosting for the website again. And then I said, I basically sent him a checklist and said, here's what you need to do. This is exactly what you need to do to get this website finished. And he's disappeared again. <laughs> and it's like... I can hold your hand, but there's only so much hand-holding I can do. I can't yeah. force you to do this. And he's paid, he's paid everything. And I said, look, do you want to finish this website? And he's like, yeah, we've paid for it. It's like, okay, well, let's get it done then. And no, nothing. 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 I don't understand. Strange. Yeah. I don't get it. Like, what, why? Let's just, do you want me to wipe your ass as well? I know, yeah. Shove a brush up my ass, I'll sweep the floor for you. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's, I just don't get it. I can't do everything for you. It, it, there's got to come a point where you've got to take a little bit of action as well. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. you know, I... I it's really weird, but I kind of think of it. If, if this went to court, can I show that I've done everything yeah, possible? Because exactly. if he went, yeah. I want my money back, and I go, well, no, then I, do I have evidence to show that I've done everything possible? If yeah. I do, then I'm comfortable. You can come back to me or not. I'm not really bothered. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, don't, I just don't want to leave any stone unturned in that respect. Yeah. I was speaking to a client a couple of months ago, and they were saying that another marketing agency, um, and they were saying that basically they got to a point where they they realised that the bottleneck was clients. Mm. So whenever they needed anything from the client, bottleneck. Mm. Whenever they asked for anything, request anything, a picture, a bit of copy, anything, any kind of asset or anything to do something with, it wasn't. So we basically said, right, we're not going to ask the client for anything. We're going to do it all. Mm. And if we don't hear from you within know, seven days, it's going out or it's not going out. Mm. That's, that's a decision you've got to make. Yeah. And the minute that they stopped asking for, for stuff from the client, it was that easy. It was just plain sailing. Right. I just don't understand it. You know, if someone is marketing your business or working for you or building something that is going to represent your brand, mm. if you're not having a direct input or involvement in that, what's the fucking point? Mm, I know. Yeah. That's, I mean, I couldn't imagine spending three, six thousand pounds on something and then leaving it. No. It's 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 baffling. I mean, I've, going back to, you know, bad clients, I've worked with bad businesses in the past that mm. I had an extension built on my house last year. It was meant to be done in February. It wasn't finished till June. Wow. And this that guy, Jesus. this company then disappeared off the face of the planet and owed thousands of pounds to people and all this kind of thing. And I was talking to him about building a new website for him. Thank God that didn't happen. Mm. Because if mm. I built him, you know, a, a thousand pound website or an eight thousand pound website, I might not have been paid from that. So mm. yeah, you have you have got to be really careful with some people. And some people mm-hmm. will mm-hmm. promise you the earth and then under deliver. Yeah. I'm a big fan of under promising and, and over delivering on any yeah. on everything. Yeah. I mean, I'll always say to people you know, I can't promise that I can do that, but I'll certainly try my best. Yeah. And yeah. I think people respect that. I've, I've learned that there's a, there's a quote that Richard Branson says, it's something like, 
not verbatim, but it's something like, if someone asks you to do something, you don't know how to do it, say yes and learn how to do it after, mm-hmm. which I did start doing. Um, but people can sniff you out if you, yeah. if you know you're not, not you, can't, yeah. you can't do it or you yeah. don't know what you're doing. Um, and going back to your point on, you know, trying to, the bottleneck of trying to get things off people, we, we have a similar thing of, so I'm building a website for an estate agency at the minute and there's so many different parts that go into it that make it the website that it is. Mm-hmm. And obviously most of the people come to businesses like ours because they don't know how to do it. So trying to get this information from them just over email is really difficult. So normally it's just a case of sitting on a call and getting it thrashed out in an hour and just, you know, getting it all sorted. But if anyone listening out there is thinking of investing in a new website, I would say get the copy done first. Yeah. Um, Because it makes a a designer like me, it makes my job a lot easier because I know what I'm working with. If you then send me the copy after and it's not what I was anticipating, I've got to change a load of stuff around. Basically, basically completely rework it. So if I know what I'm working with, um, then that makes my job a lot easier. What I would try and say is possibly try and avoid AI tools. Mm -hmm. Um, They can be helpful in some respects, but you can still tell the difference between an AI bit of content and something that's been written by a human. And, you know, if you go on LinkedIn, there's hundreds of copywriters (laughs) um, that all all do that service for you, but it it does make a massive difference. And the, the websites that I've built where they've invested in the copy and not invested in the copy, not even just in terms of how it looks, but the businesses yeah. and the business and results they get from it makes a huge difference. So that's that's definitely something that I'd recommend as yeah, well. Definitely. So you, you obviously you mentioned AI then. The, <laughs> oh, big, here we the go. Big word. <laughs> Open the can of words. How do you find um, how do you find it? The minute do you use it yourself or? Um. Yeah, I mean. I'm, I'm, I'm throughout this whole podcast. It's just open, honest, and transparent. So, for LinkedIn posts, it will be you know, give me an idea of something that I can talk about. Because with websites, there's only so much or so many times you can flog that dead horse. Yeah. Um, so, it's not a case of copying exactly what comes from there. Because I posted about this on LinkedIn recently. You can always tell when people have copied straight yeah. from an AI tool, and then those that have organically written it. Um, and the people that write it in an AI tool don't even bother to read through it or, you know, correct the American spelling to English or whatever. And Just dro- look for the Zs. Yeah, it drives me mad. I, honestly, I hate it. You might as well not post anything. Um, but yeah, in terms of AI, I think it will be coming into websites pretty quickly. Um, the software that we use has already kind of introduced AI to build certain elements and all right, sections and okay. that kind of thing. I've not used it yet. Um, and it's, it's that balance at the moment of, as a, a business that solely does websites, I don't know if I'll be here in 10 years in terms of the business. Will AI take over everything? Um, and, you know, if someone can get an AI to build a website for 300 quid, they don't need to spend seven grand on it, but there's certain yeah. things an AI can't do that mm. I can do. So, yeah, it's 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 a very difficult balance. Um, and, yeah, in, in terms of AI tools, there's not really anything that I use. I try and keep it as organic as possible. Um, and, yeah, with, like you say, with things like SEO blog posts and all that kind of thing. I believe Google has basically a way of being able to work out whether it's been written by AI or not. Mm-hmm. And if it does yeah. detect that, then it's going to do your website more harm than good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah they, they do. But it's a grey area because obviously they have their own. So they kind mm-hmm. of, they're trying to promote it, but not promote it. It's yeah. kind of, yeah, it's a bit of a real grey area. Think, yeah. But- and what I would say is I've tested both Bard and ChatGPT and done a little bit of research into it. And if you are going to use AI, I would say Bard is much better. Oh, really? Um, yeah, I, I've, I've used both for mm. different reasons, mainly for LinkedIn research and all that kind of thing. Yeah. And the results that Bard has given me 
paired with the research that I've looked at, you know, focus groups and that kind of thing, and the quality of the results, Bard is better. So if you are going to use it, definitely use Bard. Yeah. yeah. Have you tried Claude? No, I've not heard of that one. Claude, no. um, I heard about it because it's it's another three. It's basically like really like Bard, mm. but it's it's free and it's relevant. It's up to date. So it's basically ChatGPT four, but without having to pay for it. Right. Um, I've switched pretty much everything to that. Mm. And the quality is so much better. Yeah. Um, it learns your tone, you can set profiles, all that sort of stuff. So you kind of do the, the work up front, mm. and then after that, every time you ask it something, it's all you don't have to then put massive prompts in. It's mm. just quick questions again. No. Yeah. Um, no it's good. good. It's, it's worth looking at. Yeah. Time saver. Yeah. Yeah. Massive. Definitely. But for foundational idea creation, I think it's brilliant, mm. especially when you're having a bit of a. You've been sat at your desk for 10 hours and you're like, oh my God, I've got to think of something. Creative block. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that happens occasionally, to be fair. Yeah. But it's like, um, we, we're we always looking for automations, setting stuff up. And if you come up with an idea and you kind of, it sounds great, but then how to actually implement it. Yesterday, we had a bit of a thing with the team where we wanted to do a certain process. So I was like, oh, I'll just jump on AI. Within 10 minutes, mm. we'd built this thing um, that saved everyone 20 minutes a day. Yeah. So it's like super simple. Yeah. And yeah. The team like, oh, didn't know that was there. Yeah, and it is useful for things like that. You know, if you're using it from a, a time-saving element, then I would definitely say to use it. You know, there's no point in sitting there four hours trying to work yeah. out something if AI can do it for you. That's where it comes in mm. handy. That's the whole yeah. point of it. Yeah. Um, that's the way the world's moving. You know, that's why we've got phones with everything you can do on it because it's about yeah. being efficient and saving time. And, mm-hmm. you know, when you are saving time, this is something that I've tried to focus on as well. If I'm using AI to save me time, what am I then using that set, that save time to do? I need yeah. to be productive in that time yeah. as well. If you're using AI to save the time and then sitting downstairs watching Rain on Netflix or something, then it's like... You're my, just being lazy. You're, yeah. you're not making what? up time. No, you're you're not, might as well lazy. not bother. You might as well just sit there and have the creative block for four hours then come up with something yourself. Oh, so yeah. I usually play FIFA. <laughs> I refuse to play FIFA now. No, I won't get into that conversation. See, I have this weird thing with AI where I absolutely adore it. I think it's brilliant. But you know when I'm using it for professional purposes, mm. like if I use any AI plugins for, for podcast or audio uh, editing... I'm sort of sat down thinking, all right, this is great. This is saving me time. It's making my job easier. But at the same time, I'm teaching this how to do my job. Mm, (laughs) So by me using it, it's going to get better. Yeah. And if lots of people are doing that, it's going to get better and better and better. And Mm. in five years' time, it's just going to be doing what I do. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm teaching it to take my job. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. You're fueling it. Thanks for that. Um, (laughs) So you're fired. Yeah, yeah. Not not me single-handedly. You've destroyed the world. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think it's called machine learning, isn't it? Where yeah. it, it, it basically, that the algorithm. Um, I mean, going going into my experience, I used to be a computer science teacher. So I was oh, teaching wow. okay. machine learning algorithm. I mean, teaching being a loose term, because I had no idea what it meant to A-level, <laughs> A-level students, um, basically kind of winging it every day. Because um, the country at the time was so short on computer science teachers. And after my mum passed away, it was like, I need to do, you know, life short. I want to do something that I, I want to enjoy. Yeah. And so I went into yeah. computer science teaching um, and I was teaching people about those algorithms that we're, we're all using today and then how to build websites and, you know, to year sevens, what HTML is, what CSS is <laughs> and how to bring it all together and all that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, it's strange how it's kind of gone full circle from mm. learn, I had to learn it, teach it, and now I'm using it as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's lots of good things to be taken from AI. Um, the only worry for me is that universities and schools and all that kind of thing now, like, I'm glad I'm not in the classroom now because if I set a task for a kid, I know exactly what they're going to do. They're going to go on to Bard or ChatGPT <laughs> or Claude yeah, yeah. and they're going to type, what is the answer to this? And then yeah. they'll give me this amazing answer and I'll be like, 
Yeah, but you're predicted of D. How did you <laughs> know that answer? Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah, you got ChatGPT on your screen. So, yeah, I, I kind of got out of that at the right time, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. definitely. <laughs> so delving into, you know, websites and business and what they can do for businesses and, and such, what is it at the minute that businesses could, you know, do better with their website? How can they integrate things, ideas to make their website perform for them? Mm. I think nowadays people try and overcomplicate them. They try and make their website a jack of all trades and it becomes too confusing for people. You know, nowadays, statistics say that 50% of people click off a website if it doesn't load within three seconds. So (laughs) the more elements and the more stuff you've got going on in your site might, you know, in theory would slow it down. That means, you know, if if the business owner listens to this now, if you lost 50% of your traffic or your business today, imagine the impact that would have. So the businesses that uh, work with me now and the websites that I build, I try and keep it as simple as possible because you know especially when you start a business you try and be the jack of all trades and you try and show off what you can do and um make websites do something special but really they don't need to do anything that special as long as the information's there they know how to call you they know where the information is or how to email you or whatever it might be or even if it's just like an educational piece you know a lot of our clients that we do seo for they have blogs on a, a monthly basis so we work with a camper van company at the moment and when we built his website we did a blog on camper van prices in 2023 and the effect that that had on his website was colossal. It was massive. Um, I think it that blog alone accounted for something like 60% of his total traffic wow. um, since the website launched. Um, and so, yeah, I think focusing on blog content, keeping it short and simple. You know, if you've got a big block of text, I can almost guarantee you no one's going to read it. They'll skim through it at best, break it down, make it more visually attractive and just keep it simple mm-hmm. um, and focus on performance as well. You know, there's a... A lot of uh, platforms out there that say they prioritise performance, but if you actually look at the metrics of them, they're not very good. Yeah. Um, and there is, sometimes you do have to compromise and maybe give and take a little bit. You know, if you've got a, a really good video or an image or an element on your site that you think works really well, then you might have to sacrifice a little bit of loading time yeah. for that, but it might make the difference. And the way to find out if it does is in just simply installing a tool like Hotjar, um, <laughs> which I'm sure you guys know. Yeah. Um, the most frustrating thing in the world. Yeah, <laughs> it, is. it is. Especially when Just you're trying click to tell. Just buy now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a good tool, and but it's it's trying to tell the client how to use it, and you should use it. And sometimes they don't get the value of it. So, anyone again listening to this, if you're not sure if your website's doing any good, install Hotjar. It gives you heat maps. It literally records the screen and shows you where people are dropping off and how you can improve it. And from a user experience point of view, moving a button from the top right to the the hero section in the middle could you know completely change your business yeah it's it's mental the the little changes like that and my best mate hodgy shout out to hodgy i'm sure he's listening to this because i've sent it to him um (laughs) he works in conversion rate optimizations he's worked with big businesses um and it's literally a case of you know i'm probably doing him a a bit of a disservice here but (laughs) something like a a header where the cart is where the menu is what the menu looks like all of these little things make your website more usable and if it ultimately if it's more usable then you'll see an, an increase in conversions and sales or leads or whatever it might be so there's a lot of psychology behind that isn't it? like with colors yeah. placement Massive. icons that kind of thing it's, yeah people are weird mm. <laughs> but they really are so we had this chat probably about a year ago with a, a potential new client we we're looking at all they were bothered about was cro mm. and i'm mm. like you've got 200 people visiting your website at the minute. Let's mm. get more traffic up and then we've yeah. got more of a database to play with. And they just couldn't get their heads around it. They just wanted us to focus on CRO. I'm like, mm. you're literally going to waste your money. Yeah. yeah. So what sort of level would you start saying to start looking at CRO if you, if from a sort of traffic point of view? Mm. Um, it's a difficult one really because, I mean, 
kind of going against what you just said a little bit. I think CRO should be on any website from the beginning and that's what I try and focus on. But, you know, if you're just a small business that's starting out and you haven't got the traffic, ultimately no one's going to see it. So mm. I think a minimum of a thousand visits a month is a, is, is probably a decent place to start. Um, if you're talking five or 10,000, if you work out your conversion rate at 1% or whatever it might be, you'll know what that's worth to your business. And if you can yeah. double that by implementing very small changes, you can quite literally double your revenue. Obviously, mm. it's not that simple, no. but in theory, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. that's basically how it works. Um, and so, yeah, you can make thousands, hundreds, if not millions of pounds more just by changing something really simple and just tweaking it. But once you've tweaked that little thing, you've then got to test it again. Yeah. You know, you, you, yeah, yeah. Some, it's very easy for you to test something, change it and assume, right, that's the change. We've nailed it because, you know, people are fickle. Mm -hmm. Things change, design trends, all that kind of thing. In a month's time, six months' time, a year, whatever it might be, that might not work anymore. Yeah. And then you need to change it again. So it's something you have got to keep on top of. And if you are going to do it, same with SEO, to be fair. If you aren't going to do it, you have to invest the time and money into it. Um, you know, mostly with SEO as well. People think that it's a, a magic pill that you <laughs> swallow and boom, yeah. you're at the top of Google. Yeah. If it was that easy, everyone would be at the top of Google. It's just not that easy. Yeah. Um, now, don't get me wrong. If you're a... I don't know, a plumber in a little hamlet in Dorset that has 10 people in it, it's probably going to be quite easy for you to get in top on the top page or in the top three for that keyword. But if you're a plumber in London, it's not going to be that easy. Can I just call your business Plumbers in London? I've seen that. I saw there's a restaurant called Restaurant Near Me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've seen yeah. That. yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a great genius, idea. Genius. Yeah, yeah, it's a good idea. I like, whoever runs that business has got the same comedic prowess as me, obviously. But they franchise. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Yeah, should we start it? <laughs> Restaurant near Loughborough. Yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Next business venture. <laughs> I guess for like CRO though, like you need the data. Like you need that that big sample size to be able to make better decisions. Because mm. like if you like you said, if you have like two hundred visits to your site a month, and you're looking at analytics on Google, etc. Like, is that enough of a sample size to make those decisions to improve optimization rates and stuff? Yeah. Um, it's got to be difficult with that such a small number. So I'm sure it you know. is, but at the same time, everything is test and measure. So yeah. there's no harm in trying or no. change that from red to blue or green or whatever you need to do yeah. or change it. It's all testing, isn't it? That's pretty much what marketing is. No one knows, like you said, it's not mm. a magic pill. You mm. kind of, you just got to chuck something out there and make sure yeah. you do the best with the budget you got. Yeah. And that's what I say to our SEO clients as well is that, you know, I don't know your business as well as you do. We need to find yeah. out what works. And sometimes that can take one month or three months or something like that because your competitors might be doing it. They might have found something that we've not found. So that's why we track all of the competitors and all that kind of thing to see if they're doing something and can we basically replicate it and do it better. Mm -hmm. um, and that takes time. It's mm -hmm. not going to work straight away. Yeah. Um, whereas with PPC, you can pay now. It's pretty instant. You can, you can put 50 quid in your Google account and you'll be at the top of Google. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's quite surprising. I don't know the exact statistic. I've seen it somewhere, but I do it. There's um, a lot of people that scroll past the Google ads. I don't yeah. even look at them, yeah. um, which is probably doing your business a little bit of a disservice. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, no. <laughs> no, it, it, people do. But, people yeah. do see the sponsored, you know. Sometimes I do. Past. Yeah. It depends what mood I'm in. I'll click on a few yeah. just to uh, mm. spend some money for them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I tend, I'll click on them if it's a brand I recognise. Yeah. Because I'm mm. like, ah, oh, they've got the budget to absorb Exactly, that. that's what I do, yeah. <laughs> it's B&Q, don't worry about it. They've got loads of ads running. Yeah, it's it's zero, I do it all the time. If I'm logging to zero, <laughs> you can pay for that. Yeah. Or yeah. I go onto a competitor's website and just keep spamming yeah. their ads. <laughs> Unless they've got, is it ClickSees? If they've yeah. got ClickSees, that yeah. might, uh, might might prevent that. And I'm sure they invest in that and spend oh. thousands on that as well. Don't, sure. don't tell them about ClickSees. No. Honestly. <laughs> no, I, I couldn't possibly comment on that. <laughs> I was having a chat with um, a client who's, they, they're slightly older and they went, um, 
Right, yeah, I don't, I don't want to be at the top because I feel like um, I don't want to be that paid thing because I feel like that's fake. Mm. I don't want SEO, um, but I want to be around like that, like top three positions. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, this is going to be an interesting one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want a 20 foot yacht and a Ferrari. But... <laughs> don't we all? Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, cool. We're, uh, I'm going to swiftly move on. Yeah. <laughs> it's a difficult thing as well, especially with SEO clients because we've had this in the past where they get to the top page or top three or even first. And then they mm. go, right, that's it. I'm done. Yeah. I'm there now. Yeah. And it's like, okay, fair enough. I understand. You know, you might look at it as a, a, a thing of you're chucking money down the drain because you're already there. Yeah. You could quite literally drop off that first position tomorrow and you're gone. The 12 months that we've just invested Wasted. into this and you've invested into this could be gone by tomorrow. So yeah. once you're there, it needs to be maintained. Yeah. And that's really important as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why SEO, you have to do it long haul. You can't, mm-hmm. you can't just go, oh, I'll try it for three months because you're just chucking money down the drain because yeah. you might get a little bit from it, but you know, you're going to drop off again. Yeah. And then you've got to spend another six months getting back to where you were because yeah. everyone else is doing yeah. it. Yeah. So once you start it, stick with it. Yeah. Definitely. It, it, we, we've had clients as well in, in a similar vein that have, you know, been spending money on marketing. It's been great. Leads have been generated. There's been conversions. And you sort of say to me, okay, well, th- you're spending X amount per month and you're getting X amount of leads. If we put in, I don't know, another third of the budget in, mm. you might get another third in terms of leads. And they look at you, oh, I can't really spend any more money, but can you get me more leads still? Mm. But the data, is that the data is telling you, you're spending a thousand pound and you're getting three back. Mm. Put two grand in, see yeah. what happens. Doubling your money almost, mm. yeah. tripling it. And it, it just, it baffles me that people don't understand that, yeah. <laughs> that process. Yeah, but it's the flip side with SEO as well. So... I always advise our clients when they start with on, on SEO with us, start on the lowest package. Mm-hmm. Because if you jump straight into Google, especially if you're a new website, they will penalise you for it because yeah. you're doing too much too quickly. Yeah. And ultimately, Google make their money from advertising. You know, they've got an algorithm if you're going to do it organically, but they don't really want you to do it that way. So our lowest package is five hours, for example. Five hours is a nice starting point. If you then start to get results, then I will recommend you can go up a package and we'll do more hours, but that also doesn't necessarily correlate to results because it's out of my control. Mm -hmm. I can do five hours, I can do 500 hours a month. That'd be a bit of a squeeze. However, Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't guarantee results because it's it's down to Google, it's down to your competitors. A lot of it is out of our control. Mm -hmm. And that's why, again, you have to kind of set that expectation with people that do SEO is it won't work straight away. Mm -hmm. It might not work at all, but when it does, it can make a massive difference. And the way to find that out is if you go on to Google, this business owner is listening to this now, go on Google, type in what you want to be found for. So if it's, uh, I don't know, plumber in Leicester. You like plumbers, don't you? Mm-hmm. It's just an easy... Thing for yeah. I've spent enough money on them recently. It's just the first thing that comes into my head. I've got a new build and it's got more leaks. It's just honestly... Um, yeah, need to get your money back. <laughs> I know. I spent 300 quid on one bloke to fix my toilet. So Jeez. yeah, I'm kind of using him as an example. And that guy actually... Yeah, he was, yeah. And I, it's not that bloke on TikTok that repairs it with uh, freaking noodles, is it? Have no. you seen this? No. You know the, the the dry noodles you get, that super noodles? Yeah. Oh, yes, I have seen this. And he kind of like skims, skims over it. Over. Yeah, I have seen that. Well, that <laughs> I won't go too much into this, but that plumber that kind of jumped into my head, he came and fixed my toilet for 300 quid, spent about half an hour on it. Mm. And then I had a two hour conversation with him in my living room about Google ads and SEO and all this kind of thing. Mm. Um, and he was spending something like, a ridiculous amount of money and he was like it was like five grand a month on yell or something, wow. oh, something that like that shock me. yeah and i was like well if you put five grand a month into seo and google ads mm-hmm. you know you're, you've got your control back and you know exactly where people are coming from and 
he was just like, yeah, yeah, but I'm spending five grand on Yell and others, and it's getting me business and all that kind of thing. And ultimately, under conversation, he was like, right, I'm going to stick to Yell and uh, thank you for your mm. business and see you later. And so like, I've just wasted two hours on that. Yeah. Mm. It was a painful and you conversation. Paid him. Yeah, it was a painful conversation, <laughs> can, but that's we, where the plumbers come from. Can we just do a public service announcement now? And just any business owner that is listening, please don't use Yell. No, just please just if you're using it, stop. Yeah, and I believe. Yell do websites. Yeah, um, do, yeah, yeah. Terribly. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't want to get sued for this, but most of the clients that I speak to have gone for a website with Yell because it was 200 quid, but then it's 100 quid a month to go on their directory. Yep. And then you're stuck in it and you can't get out. Yeah. And you can't take your website with you because it's on their platform. And then they come to me and spend three grand on a new one. You might as well just cut all that out and yep. just go for the proper one straight away. Because um, the problem is with websites like Yell, um, when you're on a paper lead thing, whether it's Checker Trade or Bark, mm-hmm. that I've mm-hmm. on Bark specifically, I've invested thousands in, and it's it's been a decent return. But you become a commodity, and it's basically a, yeah. a race to the bottom. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like, well, this company's quoted me this. Can you match it or beat it? And it's like, no, I can't do that. And then you you're just burning money basically. Yeah. Um, if you can do it through your website, that's your 24 hour salesman or saleswoman. Yeah, yeah. And it, it does it for you. It does all the heavy lifting. Mm. But it's just trying to get that across. Sometimes it's, it's very difficult. It's funny we were. It's not funny, but we quoted a guy a couple of months ago and, and he was similar. Yell website said he was really happy. Reckoned he was um he was getting loads of leads from it. And I was like, Cool, what how many did you get last month? I, like, I don't know. Mm. I was like, have they given you a report? He's like, no. So like, how do you know you're getting loads of leads from it? He's like, Oh, phone rings. Like, Brilliant. <laughs> and it's it's that same conversation. You you you've literally got they've got your business by the balls mm. essentially yeah. if they want to turn it off they'll turn it off and go give me 10 grand and they'll probably never do that but essentially that's what they could they've do. got the power yeah. check yeah, a trade definitely. is the same i did my i have got a friend who's a plumber <laughs> and we said <laughs> not the same, same bloke is it no no <laughs> i have a 300 quid back no he's 400 quid <laughs> i'm blind um, no, no. <laughs> um really good friend of mine and um to be fair I'm, I'm really proud of him he set up a year ago having we've got a couple of businesses together and um i said go and set up on your own you'll smash it it's worked for some big developers yeah, he's already got, I think he's got five lads working from now in 12 mm. months and he's flying. Um, and yeah, it was the same conversation with him. I was like, you better invest in your own website now on, on WordPress. So it's yours. You've always got control. You can always go to any developer. They'll be able to sort it out. Mm. And he was like, I know, but check a trader knocking saying I can sign up for them for 500 quid a year. And I'm going to get four leads a week. And I was like, brilliant. But you put that into Google ads, you're probably going to get similar, if not more. Yeah. And they're going to be better quality and they're going to be real people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he kind of... He stuck with it for a bit and then he's jumped into check trade, but I don't know how he's doing. I'm not supposed to him for a little yeah. while. And the, the problem is obviously with websites like check trade you are a commodity and yeah. they don't care about how many plumbers or electricians are on there as long as they're making the money. So you're competing yeah. quite literally against hundreds, maybe thousands of people if you're in a, a big mm-hmm. place like London or Manchester or something like that. So um, yeah, it's it, these things that we're talking about are really difficult sometimes to get across yeah. to people because it, it sounds like you're being disingenuous sometimes because obviously I make websites for a living. That's how I, I make my money. If I then say to you, you need a new website, well, yeah, I'm going to say that. Yeah, exactly. it, it's biased, but yeah. I, it's, it's a really difficult thing to say to someone, you need a new website, stop spending money on that and spend it with me because I'm like, well, you just want my money. Yeah. It's yeah. like, no, that's not, that's not what I'm saying. You need it for these reasons. Yeah. Some people get it, some people don't. Yeah. And eventually, I believe that the people that don't get it will come back and they, ha- they have in the past whether yeah. it's one year or three years down the line they come back and say yeah you're probably right about that i've spent 20 grand and you know not made much out of it it's that education piece though isn't it it's educating that that person mm. you know as to the why you know this race to the bottom in terms of pricing loads of businesses do it it's a mistake we all make but there needs to be some education around value versus cost mm. because i think that's overlooked so much as yes you could probably get it cheaper 
is it going to perform for you as well as something that we'd create or, mm. you know, and so on and so forth. Yeah. And this sort of lack of awareness around the value that they're getting because of, you know, like, what is it? Is it Fiverr? Mm. Upwork and all that sort of stuff is the quality isn't there. It's just cost. Yeah. And I think as a business owner, you've got to sort of make that decision. Okay. Do I need that business mm. or do I sort of value myself a little bit higher and wait? Yeah. Would you go back to uni? I was having this conversation with someone the other day because we've done the same degree. Oh, have mine we? was sports business management. Okay. So I can run a football club. Okay. And a leisure centre. That's good. Or a gym if we start one. Or a gym. There yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's been on the, been on the cards a couple of times to be fair. Yeah. But yeah, would you go back? Knowing what you know now. Yeah. So this is the conversation that me and Rachel have, have had about our little boy. And it was like, we've both been to uni. We know how expensive it is. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't force him to go. So the answer would probably be no. Mm. Um, you know, because I, I remember when I started uni, I had a mate who was driving around at the time. It's nothing, it wasn't anything amazing, but it was like an Audi TT. I was like, oh, that's wicked. I'd love to be, I was driving like a, a Y Reg Renault Clio. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, mate, those old Clios were banging. It, it was, was good. They were good. <laughs> it was good. Um, got me from A to B. It was, um, it was nothing special. But yeah, that, that car that he had, I was like, I remember saying to my mum, I was like, I just want to drop out of uni and just go and get a job. And, you know, if I just get an apprenticeship or something, she was like, no, just stick with it. And I did stick with it. Um, and there's a funny story about me getting my degree, actually. So I believe I've been a Leicester City season ticket holder now for, I think, 12 years. And the year we won the Premier League, it was against Everton on a Saturday afternoon. My final exam, for whatever reason, was on that Saturday morning. Um, and it was in a topic that I absolutely hated. It was business continuity and disaster management or something. Nice. And it got to like the November of that year. The, the lectures were two hours long. So I'm not coming to this anymore. This is boring. <laughs> so I did the coursework for it, which was like 50% of the total amount. Didn't do very well in that um, just because I didn't enjoy it. And then the morning of the exam, the exam was at like 10 in the morning. And I set my alarm clock and my alarm clock didn't go off. So I've woken up at something like 20 to 10. Bearing in mind, De Montfort University from my flat at the time was about a 20, 25 minute drive to park up and walk. I was like, I'm not going to make it. So I emailed the course leader and said, I'm ever so sorry. I can't make the exam because my car's broken down. Is there any chance it can be deferred and I can do it another day or whatever? And she emailed back. I was talking to this about, uh, to my wife actually recently. And they said, um, unless you've got a picture evidence of the car broken down with an RAC van next to it, it won't be deferred and you will fail. Um, because percentage wise, I'd only got 26% because um, it was 50-50. I got 52 in the first one. So it was like 26%. I needed 28% in the exam to get to 40 to just to pass it. Mm. Without passing it, I didn't get the degree. Right. So I was like, shit, okay. So I was like, well, I've missed it now. There's nothing I can do. I'm not turning, I think it was like half an hour. If you're half an hour late, they don't let you in. I'm not making it and I'll just deal with it. So I, I lied to my mum, God bless her and said, yeah, I just went to the exam. It was pretty easy. Um, and now I'm off to the football. So <laughs> that morning I was just like sitting around in my flat waiting to go to the football and I was going to go and pick my mates up and stuff. Drove out my flat and crashed my car. No. Crashed into someone else. Didn't uh, I, Honestly, I don't know what happened. He just came out. So Coventry Road, anyone that's in Hinkley, the longest road in Hinkley. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the car just, there's so many entrances and exits on this bloody road. This car came out of nowhere and I, I, I pulled out and I basically T-boned him. Yeah. Um, and thankfully the guy, they were all fine. Um, they had a little baby in the back, which is really bad to be honest. But I, I just didn't see him. 
then we sorted it all out, gave him my insurance details, and then went to pick my mate up with a half mangled car. And he was like, what's happened? I was like, I've just crashed my car. I've missed my exam. So I'm basically not getting my degree. I don't know what's going to happen. Had a meeting with the, the uh, university and they said, you can do the retake exam, which is capped at 40%. I was like, okay, that's fine. Because I only need 14. I need 28% to pass so mm -hmm. I can get my degree. Because I believe in the third year they drop, I don't know if it's just DMU that do this, they drop your worst subject. Oh, no, yeah. That's, yeah, yeah, like... So that was my worst one. I just needed to pass it just to, mm -hmm. to get it done and out of the way. Uh, so I think it was obviously the graduations were in the summer. And my mum was like, why isn't your graduation in the summer when everyone else's is? I was like, oh, mine's just in the winter. <laughs> and my, my thing, I think it was in the August. So we that was in the May. The retake was in August. I did it, thankfully passed it. And then my uh, graduation was in the following January. Um, and it was, my mum... She's not with us anymore, but she was, she never knew that I didn't, I missed the exam because she would have been fuming. I would never have heard the end of it. But um, yeah, that's my university story. And at the time I was socially anxious, I guess is the word. I never, I wasn't your kind of typical 18, 19 year old. I didn't go out to clubs. I didn't drink. I still don't drink now, really. I don't really enjoy it. Um, which anyone on my wedding night would say that was a lie. <laughs> uh, 30 drinks deep, but yeah, I never really did the social aspect of it. And I lived, I had a girl, other girlfriend at the time. And my mum was, she didn't force me, that's the wrong word, but she was trying to push me to live in uh, the accommodation there. Mm -hmm. It was like, you know, it'd be a great experience for that kind of thing. I never, I, I think I stayed there for like one one or two nights a week. So I had, if I had a lecture in the morning, because I couldn't be bothered to get up, typical student. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the whole university experience for me was basically just to get the degree and leave as soon as possible. And there's only one one, maybe two lectures and lecturers that I remember that actually had an impact on me. Mm. The rest I didn't really, I don't remember. I think the only thing that university does teach you is about critical thinking. Mm. And me and Rachel always say this, that if we didn't go to university, we wouldn't be such critical thinkers and possibly overthinkers as well. Yeah. Um, and if, if, if George ended up being a plumber or an electrician or something like that, I feel like you're always going to have a job. You're always going to mm -hmm. have the work. Mm -hmm. um, whether he did an apprenticeship or went to college or whatever, Basically, as long as he does what he enjoys, then do it. If it's, yeah. We went to, this is random, but my wife went to see a medium not long ago. I think it was before we were married. Mm. And that medium said that our firstborn would be a boy mm -hmm. and he'd be a footballer. And then our second load of children would be twins. And she's 50% right so far. But she also said that George would play for Coventry City and be a professional footballer. So I'm happy with the professional football aspect. Just the co not Coventry. The co Coventry. aspect, I'm not sure. Can you class Coventry as professional football? No, I mean, we're, as, as of recording this, we're actually playing them this weekend. Um, so yeah, I hope we smash them. But yeah, I mean, ultimately, if you played for Carver, I wouldn't really care as long as he was happy. But um, yeah, if you played for Leicester, that'd probably be better. Yeah. But yeah, going back to the whole university thing, I wouldn't, I wouldn't force him. And yeah. I, if someone... Point bluntly asked me, said, would you go to university? Would you recommend it? I'd probably say no. But if you were going to be a doctor or a lawyer or something, oh, yeah. then you yeah, need definitely. it. Yeah, you can't yeah. get anywhere without it unless you're Mike Ross um, from Suit. <laughs> oh, but, love Suit. Yeah, I've, started, I've, I've got back into it now. Consume knowledge like no one else. Exactly, yeah. Um, yeah, unless you're him, then you probably yeah. you probably don't need it. And you can learn. I've, I've got a client actually who uh, I, I build web, white label websites for him. I won't say his name because um, his clients might hear it as well. But he is 20, 21 years old and I think he left school at 16 and the business acumen that he has got and he's so well connected, he's, he's up in Burnley and he, he speaks to so many people, he knows so many people and he can sell ice to an Eskimo. He's that good, <laughs> yeah. which is good for me because I make more money out of him as well. Um, 
But yeah, I think you can learn a lot more from being in the real world than going to university, flunking it, you know, listening to someone talk about creative accounting. Like, oh my God, Mm. barely staying awake. You can learn a lot more just from doing it yourself, I think, personally. But a lot of people have different opinions and all that kind of thing. Now, if they were to make university free, (laughs) I'd probably have a different opinion. Mm. But I'm sat here now with about 70, 60,000 pounds in debt I'm probably never going to pay off. I've not mm-hmm. paid towards it for about five years. Mm-hmm. And it's going to, I think it's like 30 years it gets wiped. So I've got another 22 years left. I'm probably never going to p- really pay into it. So it's, it's pointless. You might as yeah. well to make it, I don't know about free because you've, you've got to make money. But one of my friends, he went to, sorry, Baker, if you're listening, I'm doing you a disservice again. I think he went to Cambridge and he's got a, he's got a master's in quantum mathematics and works, works in central London Wow. Uh, for Barclays, I think. So, Who's going to say he works in a pet shop? <laughs> he's a plumber. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's my plumber. Um, so yeah, he he he's obviously very bright and earns very good money. But they were telling me that they went to like a, a student event mm-hmm. and the person, like the, the chancellor or something, spent 30 grand on biscuits. Biscuits? Yeah, and they spent £30,000 on biscuits for this event. It was like, I don't know if it was a graduation or a, a leavers party or an alumni party or something, but 30 grand on biscuits. That's like my whole, that's half my student debt yeah. on bloody bourbons and custard creams. It's crazy. And then you think about it, it's like, I'm, pu- I'm putting all my money into this and I've got this crippling yeah. debt for the next 20, 30 years and you're spending it on biscuits. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. like, no, that's, that's not how it works. I'm, yeah. I'm not going to push anyone to do it, basically. And if I was to ever recruit someone, if they've got a degree, then fine. If they've not, and they've done websites for seven years or whatever, mm-hmm. that's yeah. much more beneficial to me as someone who's looking for someone to do that. Mm. Um the, the the degree degree basically is basically just a bit of paper that tells me you're, you're probably decent at thinking and yeah. maybe communicating a little bit better, but yeah. that's not always the case. See, my my view on like the the education system as a whole is like changed over the last couple of years. Mm. I, I've never been one of those people like, oh, school shit. But my stepson recently, well, in September, started secondary school, mm. and we had like an intake evening. I think I've spoke to you Tom about this before. But they they were so heavily focused on employability standards mm. and their whole ethos was employability standards, you know, attendance and, and, and conforming and that kind of thing. And the head teacher gave this speech um, for all the parents and kids just before they started. And it was all about being employable. I'm like, okay, that, that, that's great. Mm. But what about a lot of the kids there that might start their own business mm. or might want to do something on their own that don't want a nine to five job or don't want to work for someone else? That there's still no, there's nothing there for those kinds of kids. No, you know, and it, that that needs to change. Yeah, but I think I've become a little bit jaded to the whole thing now, just just from that one night yeah. where I realised, look, you know, well, I mean, it's what what several years, maybe a few more since I went to school, <laughs> but it hasn't changed. No, I mean, you know? yeah, I was a, I've got a PGCE, so I'm a fully qualified teacher, and I worked uh, at a school I went to actually in Hinkley, and then worked in Lutterworth. Um, and you've got kids there that don't want to be there. They've got problems mm-hmm. going on at home. Mm-hmm. And you're trying to tell a hormonal year nine girl how to code in Python. She can't like, this sounds bad and I'm not I'm not putting these people down or whatever, but she can't, she literally can't write her own name. Mm-hmm. And you're wanting mm-hmm. me to teach her this. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. You're better off rather than forcing her to do that asking her, what do you want to do? What do you want to do when you're older? If she wants to be a beautician, do something like that. You know, uh, there was lads that I had in year 10 computer science who then, you know, they've chosen that as a GCSE mm-hmm. and they still don't want to be there. Yeah. And they were going to these like special classes for basically like naughty children where they, they're, they're trying to put them down a the right track. Yeah, But it's just like, 
that kid doesn't want to be here, take him out of school, put him on a course to be a plumber or an electrician or a brickie or something. Yeah, so yeah. he's got a life because yeah. he's going to leave school at 16. He's not going to have anything. Mm-hmm. And what's he going to do? He's probably going to turn to crime, yeah. dealing drugs, selling drugs or robbing people or whatever. And then you can find them to that path. Mm-hmm. So that was something that in education I didn't agree with. And ultimately those children in those classes, because they don't want to be there, they start acting up oh, yeah, and it affects all the other kids as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, and the kids that, you know, schools have a, a problem where do you spend time trying to get a kid who's got 50% attendance and is predicted twos to get in school? Or do you spend the time on a kid who wants to be there, who is predicted nines, but is currently working at an eight? Mm-hmm. You know which one you're going to spend the time and money on. Mm. Um, so... Yeah, you're better off just giving them something that they want to do and putting them down that track, I think. And that's someone that, you know, when I went into teaching, I lived and breathed it. I absolutely loved it. I trained in Nottingham and I trained in a place called Bullwell, Mm -hmm. which I don't know if you know, but it's very poverty ridden. It's not a, it's not a nice place. No, it's probably one of the the roughest areas in the Midlands, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Um, and the kid, there were some kids there, don't get me wrong, that wanted to be there. And when I was training, they chucked me basically in the deep end in that school. And I went into a, an IT class, I think it was year nine. And it was literally like being in a prison. There was mm. kids running around, chucking chairs. I was literally ducking out the way. They were throwing paper, pens, telling the teacher to F off and all this kind of stuff. And the teacher, I mean, this guy, he was, he was a really nice guy and he was, he just, he didn't deserve it. But mm. what, what can you do? Mm. I mean, the problem with teaching now is, the kids know you can't do anything. 100%. I can't yeah. whack you over the hand, the, the, old, uh, the <laughs> knuckles, knuckles with, with the ruler. A, exactly. I can't do that. <laughs> All I can do is shout at you. And at, at that point, kids go, you know, whatever, you're shouting at me again. Yeah. You can't take my Xbox off of me. What are you going to do? Call my yeah. mum. Yeah. And then it, there was one instance, I had a, a couple of lads at the back of a, a class that were mucking about. It was a Friday, last period. And they were, and I was like, no, you need to stay behind. You need, you're making up this time. And I was quite stubborn like that. I'm quite stubborn in like, if you waste my time, I'll waste yours. Yeah, yeah, and it was yeah. like, I, I, it was like, I'm going to my mate's house. His mum's picking us up. And I was like, <laughs> I didn't swear. I was like, I don't give a shit. You're staying in and you're doing this time. <laughs> and then it was, I think the assistant head came in. And it was like, that's not how we do it at this school. And then the kid's doing it again. So I'm fighting a losing battle because yeah, you're, exactly. you're kind of condoning it. Yeah. You know, if this is the way that I want to deal with it, and I know that schools have rules, but this is the way I'm going to deal with it. This is my method. And then if you go in and go, that's not how we do it at this school, that it, it's kind of undermining me a little bit and the mm-hmm. kid's going to get away with it. There was another yeah, instance yeah. in a, a year eight group, this girl, so year eight, you don't, you have to do IT compulsory. And this girl was sat there and she shouted in the middle of the class, I hate IT. And I had quite a decent relationship with this girl. And I said to her as a joke, well, I hate you. And everyone, everyone laughed and it was, you know, it was clearly a joke by the way that I did mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. And then uh, like two or three minutes later, she went, do you really hate me, sir? I was like, no, of course not. I'm only joking. Um, and then I helped her with her work and got on with it. And then like the next week I'm sat in a lesson. I get an email from the principal's assistant saying, your lesson's been covered. Um, he wants to have a chat with you. I was like, okay, maybe, maybe I'm getting promoted. <laughs> what, what's this about? <laughs> Cause I'd forgot I'd done it. It was yeah, such yeah. A, like a passive Trivial comment. Thing. Exactly. Yeah. And then I went up to the meeting and the room was cold. I was like, oh shit, this don't feel good. I walked in and then he was like, yeah, we've had a call from a parent saying that you told their child that you hated them and that you didn't deal with bullying that was going on in the class. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, <laughs> firstly, obviously I said it and it was a joke and he was like, and I, I kind of know what he was saying. He was saying, you know, as a parent and as a, mm. a teacher, you have different tones and you say different things, but I'm, you know, 
with children, you have to kind of build some kind of relationship. To get on their level. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a robot. I want to show my personality a yeah, little yeah, bit yeah. at least. And so, yeah, I did that. And then um, he said, you know, let's, let's wipe the slate clean on that one. But then there's the bullying incident. Apparently this girl was being bullied by people next to her and you did nothing about it. It was like, what? And, you know, if I'd have heard mm. that, I'd have done something about it. You know, I was the teacher that was very big on that and discipline and, yeah. uh, you know, rewarding kids as well. I'm very fair. So if I'd have heard that, mm -hmm. I'd have done something about it. Yeah. Um, and then he said, well, you know, I can only take your word for it that you didn't hear it and we'll just forget about it. And, mm. you know, it, it was like, I've told, I've rang her mum and told her that I've, you know, had a word with you or whatever. Mm. And I was like, if this is going to be my life for the next 20, 30 mm. years where I can't put a foot wrong or I can't say the yeah. tiniest yeah. thing, yeah. Yeah. And I'm not here for it. No, um, but this, you, this is the problem, though. Like a lot mm. of mine and my wife's friends, there's there's quite a few of them that are, are teachers. Mm. Some are still teachers. A lot of them have have given up. They've, they've had the notice and they can't they can't take it anymore. Mm. And it's not for the you know not enjoying the job or teaching or the children. It's the the politics and yeah. it's the paperwork and yeah. it's the constant question and the new mm -hmm. turns. It was unbearable. Yeah, it is. And we had uh, observations on a regular basis, and. The one, one guy, and this this is probably a bit of an egotistical thing, but the one of the assistant heads at this school was Australian. And he came into me and he was like, um, so at my previous school, I'd been told that my question was really good. So what do you think about this? And, you know, getting answers out of kids that necessarily wouldn't answer the questions yeah. if they were given a choice. And that was one of my strongest things. And he came into me and said, I don't think you're very good at this. You need to go and watch the training in there. I was like, oh. you know, I've been doing this for two years. I passed at a level seven, which is the highest you can get. And I'm not blowing smoke up my own ass, but... I think I'm quite good at this. And you, I know you can always learn things from other people, <laughs> but you're constantly putting me down on things that I'm not good at. You didn't, you didn't sit there and say, well, you were really good at this and you controlled the class, you know, a class of 33, wow. 12, 13 year olds. Some of their computers aren't working. They're then turning their mates' computers off. They're running around the class and dicking about basically. Yeah, yeah, and you've yeah. got to try and control it. Yeah. It's really difficult. Yeah, and yeah. I was just like, I know sometimes it's a it's a common thing in football actually it's like the analogy of some people need an arm around their shoulder to respond to kind of feedback and some people need a bollocking mm. i think i think i was kind of in the middle but you know i, ne I never really got either mm -hmm. so it's like i don't really know how to improve it and at the school i was at before i was like i, I was going to i had a really good relationship because i went there previously all my teachers were then the assistant heads and all that kind of thing and i was like you know give me head of department job i will run this and i'll be really good because they actually dropped the subject because it was so bad mm. So I was like, you know, give me the job. I'd, I'd learned so much at this school in Nottingham. It was called George Spencer Academy. Yeah, um, the corner from where I live. Oh, right. And Stapleford. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, really nice school. They were so forward thinking and everything. I went and tried to take that from that school to this school, which was mm -hmm. miles behind and everything. And they were like, oh, well, you're basically saying that because they're an outstanding school, um, this this is how they do it. And that's because they're outstanding. It's like, no, but there's a correlation. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're doing that and it works and they're wow. outstanding. We're in special measures. The roof's leaking. You know, the kids aren't turning up. The heating doesn't work. Let's at least give this a go. And they wouldn't do it. So it's like, well, if you're not going to let me try stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's the best thing about running a business is you can try something. Yeah. If it goes tits up, it only really has an effect on you. Obviously, if it's for a client, then it's different. But if I try something, you know, I've, I've tried Google Ads for my own business. I've tried loads of different things. I've tried magazine advertising. It's not worked for me. Mm -hmm. I've had to learn the hard way and spending thousands of pounds on it, yeah. but it doesn't work. Whereas, it, you know, if it doesn't work in a school or whatever, it's, it affects loads of people. And it was just, I'm not, no. Not, that's not the issue with, with bigger companies and, and educational establishments that they are so big that nobody has the power to make a flipping decision anymore. No. It has to go through so many different heads mm -hmm. and layers of God knows what. To get anywhere. Yeah. You know, it's ridiculous. You, it winds me up. It's 
Yeah. Anyway, yeah. that's another podcast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Clever another one about education and <laughs> politics and all that kind of thing. But um, yeah, that's that's my experience with the education system anyway, yeah. and universities and schools and stuff. Yeah. Um, and I mean, going back to some of the kids in those schools, especially at George Spencer, there was kids in there that were better than me. Mm. Uh, I mean, I'm not a programmer. I, mm. I, you've got to have quite a logical brain to be a programmer. And so, I mean, if you give me a piece of code, I can work out what to do with it and how it works, but I can't write it from scratch without a bit of help. Yeah. And there were some kids there that were writing literally like university level codes and stuff. And as a teacher, you kind of of sit there and go, wow, that's really good. I know how to do that. And actually I had no idea. So a lot of the time it was actually winging it for me. Um, Whereas a lot of the, uh, the kind of the theory based stuff was where I was, where I was best at that. But um, I mean, that's why there's no computer science teachers specifically because no one can do it. It's so difficult. And if you come from that kind of programming background, do you earn 28 grand as a, a newly qualified teacher or do you earn 80 doing it for a software company exactly. and doing it day in, day out? Yeah. They're never going to get it. But this is the thing with education. <laughs> they're never, they're never going to listen. And it <laughs> takes five years for you to get somewhere. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Let's move on from education. Could be here for hours. <laughs> well, is there anything you want to go over before we do the questionable questions? Anything you want to go into? How have you marked? So you touched on it really loosely. Then, how have you marketed your own business? What, what what's worked? What's not? How, how mm. have you found that? Yeah, I mean, I've tried everything from Google Ads, as I said, magazine advertising, um, and none of that's really worked. The only thing that I've found that's worked now is because I've invested so much time into it is personal branding. Is that like writing your name and number on a bathroom door with a hole? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just put some instant noodles over it. And <laughs> Skim it over. Um, Is it like reason eight? And there's, yeah. There's a hole in the- <laughs> Give me a call. I'm not dodgy. Um, You're not going to get a plumber again, you know. <laughs> no, I know, yeah. <laughs> That's fine. That Tom again. <laughs> if the other one was as good as he said he was, I wouldn't need one. Um, <laughs> but yeah, in terms of marketing my own business, just, just personal branding and networking, you know, yeah. stuff that we're doing now, I've... I think our business is really difficult because like, like we're going back to paying for advertising. People know yeah. you've paid for the advertising and that yeah. anyone can be there. Um, so we've invested our own time and money into SEO where I think we're first for website design in Hinkley. Nice. Um, and there's businesses that have been there for 20 plus years that are doing it and we're first for that. So that helps. Um, that kind of, you know, because I always think if you're doing SEO and you're not at least on the top page in the first three or first for what you do, yeah. it you know, you're kind of questionable. So we are first for that. Um which helps. And then marketing, just networking and meeting new people. You know, a lot of the opportunities that nearly led me to doubling our revenue last year was from LinkedIn, meeting new people, mm-hmm. partnering with people. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I mean, even I get it. I get emails from people in England, let alone Bangladesh and India and all these kind of other places that go, uh, we can help you with your websites and white label and all that mm-hmm. kind of thing, which is fine. And they're probably, probably better at it than I am, but there's no networking element in there. Mm-hmm. So actually meeting people and you know, that's completely out of my comfort zone. Going back to yeah. university when I'd I'd sit in my room and, you know, not leave and all that kind of thing. I've kind of pushed myself out of my comfort zone to do yeah. things like podcasts. You know, I've start, I want to do that this year. That's something yeah. that I'm aiming for. Meeting more people and learning about their stories because there's, yeah. there's so much you can learn from lots of different people. Right. So, um, and you know, that person knows this person. Oh, this person, we were talking about a website the other week. I'll get you in touch with them. Yeah. All them kind of things. Um, and so I found that the, the kind of the social proof element and networking right. and yeah. that, that, has a much bigger effect in terms of trust yeah. and the money aspect than trying to cold outreach someone saying you need a new website and trying to justify mm-hmm. them why mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when that's the product that you sell. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's something that I focused on in the last year or so and something that I'll be definitely focusing on this year. Nice. Yeah. Networking's a difficult beast, isn't it? Because 
I don't know if you're I'm, I'm I'm quite introverted most of the time. So when I go to a network event, I'm really out of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. If I know a few people in the room, I'm okay. I can open up a little bit. Before I go to a, a new event I've never been to before, I don't know any faces there. And I look around the room and I, I watch people literally just interrupt conversations and introduce themselves. Like, How the hell are you doing that? Mm. Without feeling like an absolute toss part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's not what my street. No. I mean, I don't, when I say networking, I'm not going to any like networking groups or anything like that and sitting mm-hmm. on the table and, you know, blowing smoke up each other's arse and you're, you're brilliant, you are, and all that kind of thing. I'm not doing that. It's literally, you know, on most of it's on LinkedIn, to be honest, yeah. of, yeah. you know, connecting with people. And then some people reach out to me and say, I know this person needs a website or mm-hmm. white labeling. Can you build me this website for this client or whatever? Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know the, the actual figures, but I mean, I'll, I'll give the listeners our financials for the last three years in terms of revenues. The first year we did 52, 55-ish. Second year, we did about 67. And last year I did short of, just short of 120. Nice. Um, so almost doubling it yeah, by yeah, myself. Um, and that's mostly through speaking to new people and opening up new opportunities for myself. Nice. Um, and, you Selling know, for, furniture. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Plumbers. The first two years... Um, I think I invested something like £20,000 in platforms like Bark and oh, buying yeah. leads. And yeah, yeah. don't get me wrong, a lot of that did work out quite well. Yeah. But now that I've stripped that back and focused on the organic side of it and not yeah. forcing it either, because a lot of people, you know, I'm not into golf, so I'm not going to go to a, a, a Hinkley Golf Club, which is a very well-known golf club, apparently. I'm not going to go there and, you know, embarrass myself by trying to hit like Happy Gilmore, turn up with my hockey stick and start hitting 400-yard dingers. I'm not going to do it because people will be able to sniff out that I'm not very good at it. Yeah. Um, whereas if it's, I don't know, I've seen you, Tom, you've been at boxes at Leicester matches and stuff like that. That's something that I'd love to do one day and, you know, invite one of my clients to it and say, yeah, you know, let's yeah. let's go in a box and, you know, that's that's a bit more organic. I'm yeah. not forcing anything. Um, so that's that's definitely something people are going to focus on the personal branding and the networking side. Don't force it because people sniff you out really quickly Actually, and it's yeah. it's a forced relationship which you don't want. Since we've put that um, box as a sort of a, an incentive for me and Laura. So Laura, the co-founder of Altitude, she's a massive Leicester City fan. That's good. I'm Chef United. Yeah. Um, so I love, uh, I love that we're in the Prem. Probably not <laughs> for, for now. much longer. For now, yeah. Um, and I said, I was gutted that you went down because I was like, we can have the box this typical, year just so it? I can watch one game. Yeah, yeah, it's typical. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's, it's an awesome way of, it's, the experience we had there was was unreal. So we've been in a proper box and then we're in, I can never remember the name. It's like the gallery, I think it's called. Yeah. Um, that is such a, a really cool experience where you mm. get a free course meal, it's all you can drink, you watch the game, but it was, there was four of us, it was a nice chat. Mm. Um, and yeah, that's something we're striving towards this year. It's like, yeah. the, the cost of that, I would, I'd swallow even at Leicester City. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I mean, you've got a big Leicester City season ticket holder here, so if there's ever a spare ticket going, yeah. you know how to invite. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the box is something that I've always wanted to do. Um, I've looked at prices for it and blimey, it's expensive. But yeah, um, you know, if it's from a, a business cost point of view, you invest a couple of grand into that, that could lead to thousands of pounds worth of business potentially. Obviously, yeah. if you nurture that organic relationship properly, mm-hmm. um, whereas if you, you get the box and you go, right, do you want a website? <laughs> you, you can spend 10 grand with me. It's not going to work. I mean, get them so, drunk first. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, if it's a free bar, which I should be, it should be for those prices, mm. then uh, yeah, drink all to, to yeah. your heart's content. It works as well. So when we, I was a BDM for the coaches that we've had on, um, Lawrence and Matt for a little bit. That was, that was really interesting. And we were sat there brainstorming one day about what do we enjoy? What do our clients enjoy? And how can we sort of marry the two together to get more clients? Mm. And I was like, they both love rugby. They both love beer. 
I could name five clients that would, would do the same. So they mm -hmm. went and bought, um, I don't, it's not like a box. It's like a lounge you can buy at Leicester Tigers. Mm -hmm. So they were spending a couple of grand a game on that, but they were taking three or four new people mm -hmm. that were just referrals from the current clients. It worked a treat. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the, but that's what, as soon as you find a common ground with someone where mm -hmm. you can go and relax, mm -hmm. get talking, and that's the best form of networking. Yeah, yeah definitely. And I mean, as a Leicester City fan as well, having a box at the King Power, that is a dream with the, <laughs> yeah. the, the name Reason 8 above it. Yeah. That would be amazing. Cool. And it is something that, that's a kind of a, a personal goal of mine for yeah. so, something to do. Um, but yeah, maybe one day we'll, yeah. we'll see what happens. The after. relationship thing's like, it's a huge thing at the minute. It's part of why we started the podcast as well. Yeah. Because exactly. it, it gave us the opportunity to to not, you know, directly use it as a, as a sales platform, but to meet people, talk to them, get to know them. And then mm. once you do that, if they're in a position where they're looking for your services, then will you become their first choice? Because they've already got that relationship with you. Yeah. You know, they understand you and vice versa. And it's worked a couple of times where, you know, we have generated clients out of it. Yeah. You know, just from a conversation with a couple of microphones in front of us. And yeah. I think, yeah, being genuine, honest and open, I think that that goes such a long way these days. I think we lost it for a bit yeah, <laughs> a yeah. few years ago, but I think we're coming back around to just being genuine, open and just real people. Yeah. And going back to our industry as well, I've spoken to so many clients that have said, I was burned by this company. I, mm -hmm. I spoke to one guy, he was a, an asbestos company um, and he had his domain name with another company and it was like, I've got a website with them and I want one with you, but they won't release me until I spend five, until I pay 500 quid to leave. I was like, that's just ridiculous. I mean, obviously, if they've got like a contractual thing where it's like you pay for the service and you've got to see it out. Yeah. I mean, I don't know the full story, but there's a lot of people I found in the industry that I operate in that hold people to ransom because yeah. a lot of the people, my clients, they're not tech savvy. They don't know what the words and yeah. the terminology means. So yeah. they'll just take what you say is verbatim. Yeah. Um, and then there's so many hidden costs and stuff. The first thing I say to people is the cost or the price that I give you is what you pay. Anything mm -hmm. else is optional. Mm -hmm. And that is what, you know, there's nothing hidden. There's no surprises because ultimately, and there's, there's a lot of businesses that operate in this way. They want the quick win. So mm -hmm. they'd rather, they look at the short term and go, well, I, I can get five grand off him now. And then, you know, that client will never come back to you again. Mm -hmm. I've had clients that have been with me for nearly since I started the business and they've spent thousands with me because they know that they can come to me with anything. Yeah. I'll give them the honest answer. They can trust me with what they want mm. and everyone wins. Um, and needless to say that those businesses that go for the short wins don't last very long. Exactly. That's why we started Altitude. It was mm. the, I've been burnt in the past where a guy literally took 10 grand of my advertising spend and just ran away with it. Never <laughs> heard from him again. And it was just like we said, there's a gap in the market because there's so many like marketing agencies out there that just want to post on your socials, take 500 quid a month, and mm. then there's nothing to show for it other yeah. than you've got a couple of nice posts, but that's mm. it. Yeah. Like, so we, that's where we're trying to change that sort of persona mm -hmm. of, of around marketing and digital agencies in the UK. Mm. Yeah. Um, and not because I was, someone said we'd like the new estate agents and I was like, wow, <laughs> that hurt. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, I have a fancy question. Question. <laughs> okay. We'll start with the classic. We have to ask this to everyone. Is this, sorry, I'm just going to jump in. Is this quick fire or yeah. is this, okay. This one's a little bit longer, but okay. if we were to look in your search history now on your phone, what would we find? Right move. Okay. Uh, I'm trying to think what tabs I've got open. What, what's in the private tabs? <laughs> you don't want to know. <laughs> All kinds of stuff that could get me locked up. Um, to be honest, near me. <laughs> <laughs> restaurant near me. I don't really, 
Just, I mean, we, me, and Ra- me and Rachel have been looking at houses recently, so it's probably just right moving Zoopla. If you were given an elephant, would you sell it or keep it? <laughs> Blimey. Oh. Sell it to a zoo. Sell it to a zoo? Mm. Okay. Probably not very ethical, but no. I, I wouldn't see any... Business I, acumen right there. I mean, yeah. if I kept it, I'd probably have to pay for some kind of space like to have it in. Cost. And some farmer would make a mint out of it, and I've got no direct benefit from the elephant. It, I can't milk it. I Imagine can't. you turn up to a client meeting though, on the back of a fucking elephant. You'd look like this shit. Yeah, but it'd take you a while to get there, wouldn't it? I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Mm, yeah, I'd probably sell it. Okay. Sell it to a zoo. If you were to look up your name in the dictionary, what would it say? Nobed. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. I've, <laughs> Don't need to delve into that anymore. No. Um, I'm, I'm pretty boring, to be fair. So it'd probably just say a very average guy who likes building websites and <laughs> supports Leicester. That's, that's about it. I live a really boring life. It's really routine. I don't have anything special or anything like that. That's that's probably what my definition would be. If you were to be sent to prison, what would be the reason? Ooh. I can't think of anything that... Obviously can't go down the fraud route because we talked about people paying on time. <laughs> um, can't call, talk about the paedophilic route because he used to be a teacher. So what does that leave me with? What crimes does that leave me with? Probably like a speeding fine that I've not paid. Something oh, okay. stupid and quizzical okay. like that. It's like a I've got a speeding fine through the post and I've... So this actually happened. I won't go labour this point too much, but I was caught speeding on the day I was moving house mm-hmm. on the M69. And then they sent the letter to my old flat where I didn't live. Oh yeah. And yeah, then yeah. it was like six months later, I was like, you know, I've got away with it. I got pulled over by the police and everything. Mm. He, he, he ripped me like a, a ticket and said, you'll be summoned to court or whatever. And then I didn't get anything through the post. And I was thinking maybe they sent it to the wrong house. And then I got the letter like six months later through the post saying, if you don't turn up to court, you're going to be arrested. Oh. It was literally like, I think we were going on, on holiday to Prague and it was like two days after we were coming oh. home, I had to go to court and the, the magistrate sat there and she, she was like, you didn't turn up to court the first time. I was like, yeah, I didn't get the letter. And she was like, yeah, whatever, which is like probably a typical thing that everyone yeah. says. It was like, no, yeah. I genuinely didn't get the letter. You sent it to my old house. I was moving house on the day. Um, and I'd, I'd come off holiday like the day before. So I was a bit of a, a bit of a mess really. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it'd probably be something like a parking <laughs> fine or a speeding fine or something stupid like that where I'd have them kicking my door in at 6am saying, you owe us 60 quid and you've not paid it. So yeah, something like that probably. Okay, we'll finish up with, if you could compare yourself to an animal, which one would it be? Mm, I'm trying to think of an animal that like has a care inside, but also is like really focused and probably something like a, I'm only going to say this because I saw something the other day, like a like a gorilla, because they're very territorial. Mm. So I saw a, a clip recently of a, a child that fell into a gorilla enclosure and mm-hmm. this gorilla had its baby on its back and it looked after the child as if it was its own. Aww. So I would say that aspect, um, you know, I don't like having the piss taken out of me. Um, I hold a grudge. I'm not, you know, afraid to say that. And I know an elephant, funnily enough, doesn't forget. Uh, if you do something to piss me off, you're, you're gone. That's it. When, yeah. You know, that, if it's family, you know, I've done that to family. Mm. Family have pissed me off, said some really nasty things and I've never spoken to them again and never spoken to them <laughs> since. So in that aspect, probably territorial, mm-hmm. but when shit hits the fan, whether it's uh, personal or work-wise, if I'm like, you know, working really hard to get what I want or standing up for what I think is right or whatever, I'd probably say a gorilla in that aspect. Like it. Nice.
So if uh, people want to reach out, get in touch with you, find out a bit more about what you do, where can they go? So firstly, the best place is probably to look at my LinkedIn. Um, so if you just type in Tom Clark Reason 8, all one, well, the Reason 8 is one word, not Tom Clark Reason 8. Um, so yeah, if you type in Reason 8 with the number eight at the end, you'll find me on there. Connect with me, drop me a message, say you've listened to the podcast and hopefully the Still bits that you enjoyed. You. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, hopefully there's bits that they've enjoyed and laughed at and found useful or whatever. Yeah. Um, so they can reach out to me on there. Otherwise, they can find our website, reason8agency.co.uk. Um, you can get in touch with me on there or you can give us a call, 01450 I'll plug that in there as well. Hello, and talk sport. Yeah, we are, yeah. Hey, what is it? Uh, is it... Um, Oh, Goldstein and Ben. There you go. I can't bear them. But um, yeah, if we get that dynamic going, that could be quite good. Well, it's been lovely having you on. Thanks for taking the time. It's been really cool to learn about you, your business, your family and uh, all your experiences and stuff. So yeah, thank you. And I'll put all your details in the show notes. Uh, until then, yeah, goodbye. Thank you for having me. Yeah. It's been an Cheers, honour. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.